intentional, but we'll just go with it because the hour is nigh. Uh, representing uh, the Star Wars universe this morning, one of my all-time favorite mugs, um, the X-Wing fighter. It's a reminder that AMC Theaters opens here in just a couple of short weeks. They're going to be showing The Empire Strikes Back. Thought it would be a good time to represent for the Star Wars universe and all the fellow nerds out there. But that's not why we're here today. We're here today to continue our journey through the book of Revelation. And we are up to Revelation 3, looking at the church in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And so let me read from Revelation 3, beginning in verse 7. Let's pray and let's find out what God would have in store for us today. Verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no, one's will, no one will open. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. And they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And Lord, just like John in this book, we long for the day when you will come back and the new heavens and the new earth will be ushered in, when the new Jerusalem will descend down and your reign and your rule and your authority will be brought to final completion. But Lord, until that day, we live in hope. Um, we live in faith. And we ask that we would also live wisely. We would live um, dependent upon your spirit. That we would maximize the open doors that we have before us. And we ask that you would teach us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So, as we have noted previously, um, John records a vision of Jesus, a symbolic apocalyptic vision of Jesus in Revelation 1 that, that highlights various attributes of the character of Christ and then goes about applying, or, or Jesus himself applies some portion of his attributes, some part of his character to each of the churches in a unique way to address the, the very real needs that they are experiencing then and there. And so here it tells us in verse 7 that Jesus presents himself as the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. And what I want to show you, let me kind of state where we're going, then I'll kind of show you from the text where this comes from. I think that the, the attributes of Christ that 
Jesus is wanting to reveal to himself, to the church in Philadelphia, and to us, of course, it relates to spiritual access, spiritual opportunity. Okay, those are those are the two operative words this morning: spiritual access, spiritual opportunity. And, and let's kind of unpack this together. So we know that Philadelphia was a super strategic city economically. There was a ton of economic opportunity there. It was back that it was called the Gateway to the East. And apparently the church there, which was some 25, 30 years old, was originally founded probably around the same time in Acts 19 that the church in Ephesus was planted. And apparently the, the majority of the church in uh, Philadelphia were Jewish Christians. So they were ethnic Jews followers of Yahweh, came to trust in Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. But of course, that put them at odds with uh, the Jewish leaders, particularly, um, who were not accepting Christ as the Messiah. But see, these Jewish Christians, because they saw what they were doing as a fulfillment of the Old Testament, they still came to worship at the synagogue. That's where they gathered with the people of God. Well, what began to happen is persecution increased from the Roman Empire and hostility from, from Jewish authorities increased as well is that these Christians were no longer given access um, to the synagogue. They were shut out, so to speak. The, the door was closed um, in a sense. And obviously this could have felt would have been very ostracizing. It would have it would have been um, kind of a terrifying thing, in fact, to be put out of the synagogue. There was a, there was spiritual consequences to this. Um, there was communal consequences to this. And so the church found, found itself being marginalized in terms of its influence and, and spiritual access, but it was also being marginalized economically, right? This has been a common theme. They were kept uh, oftentimes from buying and selling and for, for participating in all the amazing uh, flourishing economy in Philadelphia, again, because of their faith, because they wouldn't worship Caesar, they wouldn't worship these, these, these tribal gods, these, these deities. And so they found themselves with decreasing opportunities, spiritually, economically, in every other way. And they were feeling and were incredibly weak. In fact, Jesus notes this about them. He says, I know that you have but little power. Okay, that's a fancy way of saying, I know that you are weak, you feel marginalized, you feel like you have been shut out, you feel like they're, you're being squeezed. And what Jesus wants to remind them is that in fact, as the Messiah, he himself has been, he has the key of David. So keys obviously unlocked doors and he reminds them um, that in fact he is the one who ultimately provides access okay so so first of all there is a spiritual access okay so so Jesus as David's descendant as David's Lord who came to fulfill David's role of establishing the kingdom of God he is essentially telling them as he is the promised true Messiah they now have access to Christ himself, to God himself. That even though they may be shut out of the synagogue, they may be shut out of the sanctuary, they are now able to find sanctuary with him. They have e 
eternal security. You know, it's interesting that he mentions that you'll be spared from the hour of trial. And here I think he's talking about the ultimate judgment, that that end of the day and age when um, we will be given permanent access for all eternity to Christ and the kingdom of God. And listen to all these like cool assurances he gives them about what this access allows them to have. One, he tells them in verse 12, they're going to be made a pillar in the temple of God. What's what's a pillar? Pillar is a foundational stone where it rests on the foundation, but it's permanent. It can't be moved. You can't come over and just push it and knock it, knock it down. And he's telling them, your place in the household of God is eternally secure. He says, I'm going to give you a name, the name of the city of my God. It's going to come down and it's going to be a part of your new name and your new identity. And all of this is Jesus's way of saying, yes, from an earthly sense, you have been cut out of access, but I've given you the ultimate access. Um, you have everything you need in me because I'm the king. I'm the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm going to be ruling forever. All these little fiefdoms and kingdoms that you think are are, are obstacles to you, are standing in your way, um, in fact, um, ultimately are just under my thumb. And all I have to do is say a word, breathe a breath, and they're going to be all laid low. So so take comfort in that, Jesus is telling them. So that that's, that's where he's keying in on this idea of access. However, he's also keying in on this idea of opportunity. So, so again, they think that because they're marginalized, that, that they have little opportunity for ministry. But what Jesus is, in essence, telling them, he says, I have set before you an open door. And, and I think he's, again, playing off this idea that in Christ, okay, from a worldly perspective, they're marginalized. From a worldly perspective, they're weak. From a worldly perspective, they no longer had the opportunities that they once did. But Jesus is very clear. He's saying that's precisely the place and the opportunity that I work. And he, and he notes this when he says, Behold, verse 9, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. I think what he's saying is, is that you have the gospel. You have Jesus, and what appears to be bleak opportunities before you are, in fact, the very things that God uses to make his power perfect in our weakness. And we see this as a theme all over Scripture, right? That, that it's as the Christian becomes powerless and broken and humble is when the glory and the power of God shines brightest. Okay, so what does Paul say? These trials came upon us, not for us to show how awesome we were, but they came upon us, we despaired of life, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, so that we would know that um, our power comes not from ourselves, but from God who raises the dead. And there is so many, so much we can say here, so many great lessons here. Um, one is that just in the history of the church, there is, there is always this inverse relationship between power and gospel influence. We tend to think 
Well, if we elect the right people, if we position ourselves in the right seats of society, if we, um, if, if, if we are sort of from a human sense flourishing, exercising influence, exercising those kind of opportunities, then that's the key to gospel prosperity, kingdom building. And re we realize when we look at the history of the church, that's just is not the case, okay? There's always an inverse relationship with these things. Like the more that the Christian church is marginalized and persecuted and put to the side, the more opportunity there is for people to see the power of Christ demonstrated in our lives. And so there's a, there's a great lesson here for us. Today as Christians, I think, increasingly are starting to feel more marginalized, more squeezed, more sent to the spheres of the, of the public square, um, we tend to view those as inherently negative things. And, and of course, no one wants to have their freedoms restricted. No one wants to, to be squeezed. No one wants to be persecuted. But yet, what we see time and time again with the church and the gospel, those are precisely the times that the kingdom advances. Those are precisely the times when God's power is made perfect in weakness. And so I just want to really encourage us and call us to this season, instead of thinking about all of the ways that our lives are restricted, or opportunities are restricted, or gatherings are restricted, or our influence is restricted, or we're restricted politically, or, or whatever, whatever the case may be, that we would in fact say, no, 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 all of these things might be pressing in upon us, but the one thing that is not restricted is the Word of God. It's always going out. His spirit is alive. It's active. It's giving life. So God, how would you have me step into that today in confidence? Lord, how, how could I be a bold witness? Um, how can I be one who speaks to the context of the situation, not to advance a particular political cause or ideology, but to advance the gospel? Um, as people are divided over a million things politically and ideologically in our day and age, what an opportunity to say, we're, we're holding up something else as the church. And that's the gospel. That's what we're rallying behind. That's what we're marshalling our resources and the, our opportunities for. And Jesus, I think, wants to remind us today, church of the 21st century, Four Oaks Church, I have given you an open door. Now walk through it by the confidence and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. I need to hear that. I think you need to hear it. We all need to hear that um, to be reminded of who's in charge, who is reigning, um, where our true and lasting access is. That is to the throne of Jesus Christ who's reigning today. Let's pray. Lord, let it be so. Let our hearts be convinced of this. Let our um, let our wills be infused with the power of your spirit that we may, in our weakness, see your strength perfected and the power of the gospel go forth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So tomorrow, we're going to look at the last of the seven churches, the church in Laodicea. That'll be tomorrow, Friday. We'll have a break over the weekend. And then on Monday, we're into Revelation 4, um, where all the interesting things start to start to happen. But tomorrow, same time, same station. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.